What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joe and Maylari. So this morning, it is another week of the NFL season. So I'm going to give you guys some headlines across the NFL through the first four weeks of the season with Week 5. Started already on Thursday night. Tough game there to watch Thursday night football between the Colts and the Broncos. 12-9 win for that Colts team. But I'm going to break down some of the biggest storylines through Weeks 1-4 through four before Week 5 Sunday kicks off in just about 20 minutes. So to start off, Geno Smith, one of the biggest storylines in the NFL this year is how Geno Smith is playing so well through the first four weeks of the season. He actually holds the highest completion percentage in the first four games of a season in NFL history. 77.3% of his passes he's completed. He's got a 2-2 two and two record with six passing touchdowns and two interceptions, 1,037 passing yards, and also has a rushing touchdown. And another thing is, he's also only been sacked six times this season. And that was one thing Russell Wilson struggled with was that offensive line. So he's playing well with what he has right now compared to Russell Wilson, how he's doing in Denver, 2-2 two and two record, 2-3 two and three record now with a 61.1% completion percentage. That's a career low. Four passing touchdowns and one interception, one rushing touchdown, and has also been sacked 12 times. And that, this is all through the first four games of the season there, those stats. Another storyline, Lamar Jackson has been on an absolute tear for the first four games of the season. 893 passing yards with a 65% completion percentage, 11 touchdowns and four interceptions, 316 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Baltimore has choked, though, in both of their losses this season with two fourth-quarter meltdowns. Baltimore had a 21-point lead, lost to the Dolphins in Week 2 of the season, 42-38. They lost that game. Two was 36-50 of 50 passing in that game with 469 passing yards and six touchdowns. They were up 20-3 to against Baltimore last weekend and lost that game 23-20. So that's a 4-0 team that's 2-2. Two and two. And I think I saw a statistic this week that they trailed in both their losses for only 14 seconds. So that means they were dominating both of the games they lost, just really choked and melted, at the, and melted down at the end. And that's what happens. That's football. You've got to close a game. Daniel Jones dating back to last season. The Giants are 6-3 and three in Daniel Jones' last nine starts. Six wins, three losses in his last nine starts, dating back from last season to this year. The Giants are 3-1 and one on the year, their best start since 2011. Jones on the year, 631 passing yards with three passing touchdowns and two interceptions. One of those interceptions was not his fault at all. It was the last play of Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago now, and David Sills, the wide receiver, slipped on a route. Jones had to get the ball out quick since you have to throw the ball before the receiver makes the cut on that route. He slips, the cornerback jumped the route, picked it off. It was not Daniel Jones' fault at all. So only one interception, really, and it was a bad play week one in the red zone against the Titans. That's really his only bad play of the season, honestly. It was only turnover you could say, come on, Daniel, you know, you're better than that. And I love what I've seen from him, though. Uh, he's got a 63.8% completion percentage. He's running the ball great as well, which I'm going to get into in a second. And I love what I've been seeing out of him in the pocket. His poise in the pocket and his decision-making this season has been elite. He's shown so much progress, and that shows how important a stable and reliable coaching staff is for a quarterback, especially a young quarterback that now has his third head coach and fourth offensive coordinator in his first three seasons in the NFL had a bottom three, if not the worst offensive line in the football in all three of his first seasons in the NFL. And he had all these receivers that even when they were healthy, they were dropping balls. So just to name a few, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, that's just name a couple guys. And then you look at it, when they're on the field, as I said, they're dropping balls, but a lot of them, these guys are off the field. Kenny Galladay, Wondell Robinson, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard, all those guys are out in today's game against the Green Bay Packers in London. So it's just really hard for Daniel Jones to stay afloat. It really is hard for him to stay afloat. And so today's game against Green Bay is going to be a very big game for Daniel Jones. I hope, hopefully, the Giants get the win. It's going to be a very close game, come down to the wire. 
as I said, kickoff not too far from now, actually, with a half hour to go. So if you look at it, I love what I've seen out of him in the pocket. He's got so much poise in the pocket. He's so calm now. And I think that Monday Night Football game versus the Cowboys was the best he's looked all season, the best I've seen out of him. He was taking hit after hit, knowing very well that when that ball was snapped, he was going to get hit and still was rolling out, trying to extend plays with his legs and dropping dimes into tight windows. He knew exactly when to get rid of the ball, knew when to throw it away, knew when to protect the ball and tuck it and not fumble. He knew when to tuck it and run. 27 pressures he had in that game on 49 dropbacks in that Monday Night Football game against the Dallas Cowboys. And that game, I realized, I was always the biggest Daniel Jones supporter in the world. Everyone knows you listen to this podcast. You listen to my radio show over the summer, or my radio show at BC last school year, or you listen to my summer podcast, which I'm doing right now again, which this will be live on air 7-8 on Tuesday nights. I will be in the WZBC AM sports studio talking sports. But anyways, you listen to any of my shows whether it's my podcast or my radio show, the summer or when I was at school last year as a junior, I am, I was, and I will always will be the biggest Daniel Jones supporter. You know if you listened to any of my episodes, whenever I talked about the Giants, I talked about football, I talked about Daniel Jones, you know I'm the biggest Daniel Jones supporter. I am the biggest Daniel Jones supporter there is. I've always stayed with him. And my loyalty to him is one thing that I know is not going to change because I think at the end of the day, I never thought he had a good situation around him. So even if the Giants at the end of this year decide we're going to move on, Daniel Jones was not the problem in my eyes. My loyalty to him will be staying still there. Even though I know there's a chance he won't be the Giants quarterback next season, I'm just taking every game he's a quarterback right now for the Giants, and I'm just enjoying that. Enjoying it while I can, honestly. It's all you can do. And as I said, that Monday Night Football game, he showed so much poise. 27 pressures on 49 dropbacks. 27 pressures. He's looked legit. You can say all you want. Oh, he's a game manager. All you want, say that. He's looked great to me. And if you're saying he's a game manager and he's still not the answer and everything after what you've seen out in the first four games, especially the last two games, playing so well. I know now he's banged up with an ankle injury, but he's going to play in today's game against the Packers. We'll see how limited he is. But you're just hating at that point if you're still hating on Daniel Jones. And I know he's an easy target. The national media, ESPN, Fox Sports, they love hit, hating on Daniel Jones. They love hitting him when he's down because it's so easy. You go on Twitter, you go on Instagram, everyone hits Daniel Jones when he's down and makes, when he makes a bad play. But what about when Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady makes a bad play? That doesn't stay on the internet for weeks. They don't talk about ESPN the next day. If Josh Allen wins a game and he throws three picks, they're not talking about that. They're talking about, oh, he won the game. Look at his fourth quarter comeback, went down the field, 85-yard touchdown drive. No one talks about that when Daniel Jones is the quarterback, though. But everyone else, they all get their praise and no one talks about their flaws as much as everyone talks about Daniel Jones. And you can talk about his turnovers all you want. As I said, two interceptions on the year. One of them was a slipped route that was not his fault. And the fumble he had in week one against the Tennessee Titans, every single quarterback in the NFL would have fumbled on that play. It was a blitz, linebacker coming off the edge, unblocked, off the blind side. Every single quarterback in the NFL would have fumbled on that play. So it was not Daniel Jones' fault. So one fumble, two interceptions. The one fumble and one of those two interceptions were not his fault. So really one turnover in the first four games of the year in my eyes. And he has a terrific arm, too. 49.3 yards in the air on a pass to Sterling Shepard in week one. And he definitely could have put more arm on it. He could, could have probably thrown that 55, 60 yards. Daniel Jones has an absolute cannon. He does. He's a really good arm. As I said, he was one of the best deep ball passes in the NFL over the last couple of years. In 2020, he was the best deep ball passer in the NFL. The best. You can say I'm wrong all you want. Go check next-gen stats on NFL.com. You'll see. Daniel Jones was the number one deep passer in the NFL in 2020. So give credit where it's due. 
and you look at it, he was sixth in the NFL in time sacked in the first four games of the season with 14 times he's been sacked, has been knocked down 17 times this year, fifth most in the NFL, has been hurried 20 times, which is third most in the NFL. 14.28% of his pass attempts are considered to be bad passes according to Fantasy Pro's advanced QB stats. And you look at that, 14.28% of his passes are considered bad passes. That's lower than Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson. Five quarterbacks that always get a ton of praise. And Russell Wilson probably isn't going to get his praise that much, it looks like. Uh, you know, the next few weeks, obviously, he has a lot to prove. It doesn't look like Russell Wilson is going to be getting the, he's a top five quarterback in the NFL anymore. But the rest of those guys still get their praise. Daniel Jones has a lower bad pass rate than any of those four guys, or five guys in it. Mahomes, Herbert, Wilson, Brady, Jackson. Among quarterbacks who have made at least one start in the NFL this year, Daniel Jones is ninth in the NFL with only 14.28% of his attempted passes being considered a bad pass. Among quarterbacks with three-plus games played in the NFL this year, Daniel Jones has the fifth highest drop percentage rate by his receivers with a 7.62% drop percentage of his passes being dropped by Giants receivers. The fifth highest drop percentage in the NFL. So Daniel Jones, when he rolls out and throws a dime to the sidelines, across his body, and it's dropped. That goes in the book as an incompletion. But I know by watching the game, even if Daniel Jones isn't throwing touchdowns and isn't throwing for 300 yards, that game against the Dallas Cowboys in Monday Night Football was his best game he's played in his career. The best game he's played in his career. The poise in the pocket, getting rid of it at the right time, rolling out at the right time, knowing when the pocket's collapsing and when to tuck it and run, knowing when to protect, to, to protect the ball. Knowing when to throw the ball to the first down marker. Knowing when exactly when to throw it downfield and where to throw it. Looking at the safety, audibling. Daniel Jones, that was the best game he played in his NFL career on that Monday night game. And I'm honestly shocked he didn't fumble because I think every quarterback in the NFL would have fumbled if they had 27 pressures on 49 dropbacks and was sacked five times in that game. Every quarterback would have fumbled there. Every quarterback. And Daniel Jones showed all the negative criticism around him. He doesn't care. He's not even listening. He's locked in right now, DJ. He's locked in. And credit to where it's due, head coach Brian Dayball and offensive coordinator Mike Kafka have been using Daniel Jones' running ability to his advantage. 31 rushes for 193 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and he also has 18 first down runs. He had two rushing first downs in 11 games in 2021. Already has two rushing touchdowns in his first four games of 2022. He had only 16 rushing first downs in 2021. Already has 18 in the first four games of the season. And he's only fumbled once. And that play, as I said, was a blindside hit in week one. And every quarterback in the NFL would have fumbled there. And he's gone better over his career with the fumbles. 19 fumbles in 2019. I know that was a big problem as a rookie, but it's gone better over time. 19 in 2019, 10 in 2020, 7 in 2021, and only 1 in 2022. He only has three fumbles lost, or only had three fumbles lost in 11 games in 2021. So I'm just counting those as fumbles. Those aren't fumbles lost. I believe it was 19 fumbles in 2019 with 11 of those being lost. 10 fumbles in 2020, I believe, with 5 maybe being lost or 6 being lost. And then in 2021, 7 fumbles, only 3 of those being lost. And 1 in 2022, 1 of those being lost. And his turnover tendency is so much better now. So much better. Only one real turnover this year in my eyes. I said it was that interception in the red zone on the goal line against the Titans in Week 1. And another thing if you have to look at is that every quarterback in the NFL, as I said, would have fumbled in week one on that blindside hit. And then that interception on Monday Night Football, that's not Jones' fault. Still slipped. You've got to throw the ball to the receiver before he makes his cut. So that when he turns, the ball hits him in the chest and it's right there. So not Daniel Jones' fault there either. And at the end of the day, 
If you look at it, only one real turnover, and it was that goal line interception in week one. Jones has gone so much better with decision-making, too. It's another thing that he's been great at. Brian Dable is actually the first head coach for the Giants to start a tenure with a 3-1 and record since Tom Coughlin did that in 2004. So, very positive note in the first four games of the Brian Dable and Joe Shane era for the New York Giants. Obviously, the team's going in the right direction, and we're rebuilding while winning. Three wins in the first four games, three and one while we're rebuilding, is very impressive. So, credit to them, and credit to where it's due. Mike Kafka, using Daniel Jones' running ability to his advantage. And one last statistic I want to, I want to mention was that Daniel Jones has 18 rushing first downs in the first four games of the season. 18 rushing first downs in the first four games of the season. And you want to know what's crazy? He actually has the second most rushing first downs by a quarterback through the first four games of the season since 2000. Michael Vick had 20 in 2006. Daniel Jones has 18 rushing first downs in 2022 in the first four games. And Cam Newton had 17 in the first four games of 2015. So Daniel Jones is clearly locked in. Clearly locked in. And I couldn't be any happier. Couldn't be any happier. And one last thing I want to talk about was Evan Neal did off on Monday Night Football versus the Cowboys, allowing three sacks and five total pressures on 54 pass blocking snaps, and then looked a lot better last week too, even though he did have a little bit of a banged up neck and missed some of that game last week against the Bears. But positive note, he's only a rookie. He's only going to get better. Only going to get better. So credit to the Giants. Big game today against the Packers. The Giants will be without Kenny Galladay, Wondell Robinson, Kadarius Tony, Ozzy Stone, Shepard's out for the year. So your four best receivers all out. So David Sills, Richie James, and Darius Slayton will be your three wide receivers for the Giants on the field. Obviously, having Daniel Jones healthy is a big, important step for the Giants to compete in today's game. So I'm hoping the Giants stay close. I think it will be a one-possession game. I think it will come down to the wire. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers beat the New England Patriots last week with Bailey Zappi, a quarterback. So Zappi, uh, fourth-round pick in this year's draft, had a really good college career at Western Kentucky. If he can come in and play when he wasn't even supposed to play when Brian Hoyer got hurt last week and give the Packers a game and lose the game to the Packers in OT. I think Daniel Jones and the Giants could win today's game. I think it's going to be a very close game, though. And the Giants have just won so many close games this year that it makes me worry that the defense is going to collapse at some point just because we're just not accustomed to winning all these close games. But at the end of the day, I think the Giants, I will say this, I think the Giants do win today's game. I think it'll be a very close game. But obviously, with that being said, I just want the Giants to play well, even if we don't win the game, even even if we don't win it. Because at the end of the day, you're going up against Aaron Rodgers. You're without a lot of your defense. Leonard Williams being hurt, Aziz Ojalari being hurt, two big pieces there being gone. Obviously, Aaron Jones being a great running back, A.J. Dillon as well. The Giants, I just want to play well. That's it. Just be in the game and show you you can compete with a team that's also 3-1. and Because I know everyone's doing, oh, the Giants are the worst 3-1 and team of all time. Well, we don't make the schedule. I don't make the schedule. You don't make the schedule. None of us make the schedule. So at the end of the day, the Giants have to win the games they play against. Whatever the schedule they have is whatever the NFL set them up with. And then you don't get to choose who you play and when to play. So if the Giants are winning games, I don't care who they're playing against. At the end of the day, I know the Giants' schedule is easier than it's been in the years past. But honestly, we deserve it as Giants fans. With all the pain and the suffering we've gone through, we deserve it. So at the end of the day, I think the Giants will be in a very close game today against the Packers. I know the Packers are favored by, I think, 9 or 10 points. The Giants definitely... I definitely think the Giants will be within that. And I think, as I said, it'll come down to the wire and be a last-minute finish. But it should be a very good game, obviously, to follow. One last thing I want to talk about, a couple more quarterbacks. Cooper Rush has been tearing it up for the Cowboys. The Cowboys are 3-1 and one on the year without Dak Prescott for the last three games. Rush is the first quarterback in Cowboys history to start his career with a 4-0 record 
as a quarterback. So very impressive start of the season for Cooper Rush with the Cowboys being their quarterback. And one last thing is that Teddy Bridgewater will start this week for the Miami Dolphins after two attack of Aloha's scary Thursday night injury last week. He had a completion last week. This is Teddy Bridgewater with an air distance of 61.4 yards. Very impressive arm on Teddy Bridgewater. And as I said before, when you have a receiver like Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, it makes things a little bit easier for you. You have two receivers that can run four threes just about. And if they're one-on-one, you can have the trusters throwing it as far as you can and just hoping that they find it. I think Bridgewater can keep this offense afloat without Tua Tagovailoa being hurt. Obviously, Tua had that scary injury last week, and my thoughts are present with him and his recovery. Hoping he's back on the field again soon for them, but most importantly, I'm just happy he was all right. He had that scary hit in that Sunday game last week, or two weeks ago now, then ends up playing in Thursday Night Football five days later, and you just never want to see a guy go down like that, especially a concussion injury or anything to the head. So my thoughts are present with Tua, and hopefully he recovers and he's back on the field again soon. Hopefully he's at 100%. I know the Dolphins team's a lot better with him, but as I said, I think Teddy Bridgewater can keep them afloat, especially considering he is that good of an up, 61.4 yards. And if you look at it, Teddy had a good year last year, 18 touchdowns and seven picks in 2021 for the Broncos. So hoping that they can stay afloat without Tua. Obviously, Teddy, solid backup, has a lot of experience starting, so hopefully they can take advantage of that. Anyways, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good one. Best of luck to all you guys at Fantasy Football this week, and best of luck to all your teams. Thank you, guys.